And welcome to the Space Cave episode number 150. A little bit different of an episode. And if you are scrolling through on your phone, perhaps you're on a road trip and going, oh, this sounds interesting. You want to listen to this one? This is probably not a great one because the, the topic is non-existent, really. And there's no particular subject, necessarily. So if you like the show because of, say, specific science-y topics or subjects or things like that, which I've heard a few of you say, yeah, I pick and choose and I listen to this, then this will not be a great one. However, if you listen to the show all the time and you interact with it a little bit, then perhaps um, we'll get to some of your stuff. And this is just, uh, I think 150 is a particularly nice round number. It's not significant necessarily in that it's not quite three years. 156, I guess, technically will be that one. Uh, but for, for years, I think California had on their license plate the, how do you say, sesquicentennial? That's probably not how you say it, but close enough. It just meant like 150 years we've been around. And I thought that was nice. And that always kind of stuck with me like, yeah, that's a significant chunk of time. So I wanted to, for 150, do something a little bit different and just kind of say thanks to people who listen to the show frequently, who interact with it, or um, obviously thanks to everyone who supports it on Patreon, whether that's just um, uh, something you do for a little while, or if you've been supporting it for, for months now, or I think for over a year perhaps, of having a Patreon. And so I'll be sending out some gifts to those of you in certain tiers. Uh, extreme thanks. And I'll thank you on Patreon a little bit more specifically as well, but but those people, viewers and listen, well, listeners really just like you, um, really make the show uh, seem like it has more of of a what's the right word of a demand, I guess. You know, you're you're like, oh, I got to get this episode out, and then if there's really no audience out there or no one paying attention, you might go, I don't think I do. I don't think it's that pressing to to get this one out there on the internet. But because people do support the show and chime in from time to time, then I do feel this um, that there's a bit of a supply and demand there, and I'm happy to do the supplying of it, uh, although typically not in this fashion where it's just my voice going on and on and on. I think the show, really the only thing it offers, is interesting conversations that are hopefully moderately stimulating at times or or just pleasant. Take your mind off of things and... And, you know, either remind you of conversations you've had with you friend, your friends or give you something to chat about when you go out into the world. Hey, I was listening to this podcast. They were talking about this. What do you think of that? And maybe that's happened. I don't know. But in an ideal sense, I guess that's what I like about doing the show. And I like that there's a bit of a community and that we all, to some degree, have spoken to one another or interacted in some small way. And always have an affinity for those of you who have never in any way interacted with the show. You just listen to it and go on about your day. I think that's so fascinating. Um, from time to time, maybe you'll reach out with an email and then you'll blow your cover because I know you exist. But it makes us just a little bit more, a little closer. It's like stars out there in the sky twinkling. And then I don't know if in this scenario or in this analogy, you're the watcher and you see one twinkle and go, oh, I'm aware of that one now. Or perhaps you are all the stars and all of us together. And then we kind of get a sense of like, okay, these are the stars that are in my peripheral. Or I don't know. This is getting too, too out of hand. This, this, this seems like I did drugs or something. I did not. Let's get into, uh, oh, sorry about the car noise in the space cave. Going to be adding in some <laughs> morning radio sound effects. Let's get the car and get on out of here, guys. <laughs> Uh, I uh, sent out a thing recently saying it was going to be a show of this type of uh, nonsense. And if you had any questions or anything you wanted to say, um, chime in. And 
uh, best blunt machine, which is at I am a stove, who we've spoken to. Hello, stove, up there in Alaska, working at the radio station. He said, "Me, stove, I'm interested." And so I guess, hello, you're interested. And maybe I'm. This isn't even the most accurate tweet that you're responding to. You might have been <laughs> responding to something else. I could probably dig into this further, but I think that's funny. If I said, "Hey, if you're interested in asking a question," Uh, let me know if you'd be interested in that. Oh, no, that's what the tweet was. Would you be interested in that sort of thing? A, a, uh, an episode that was just some rambling, some interacting with uh, people, maybe calls and such. And I am Stove said, me, Stove, I'm interested. And therefore, here we are. So we're doing episode number 150. There's no way to tell how it's going. Likely you're by yourself listening to it. I'm here in the past, having already recorded it. By the time you hear this in your ears, there is... No conceivable way. I guess if I had live streamed this or something like that, I could be looking at a bunch of comments and going, ooh, this is going terribly. Getting a lot of thumbs downs. But as it is so far, this is nice. It's like running a race and you can't see any of the other contestants and you, and you have no idea you're in dead last. But you're like, I think I'm doing okay. So uh, let's dive into some questions. <sighs> let's see. <laughs> okay. Got to get this one out of the way first. This was a pressing one from Nuts and Gum and Pizza Bones at Uncle Butler. And he asked, uh, like, what's the deal with cats? And then I replied, like, this is a good question. And then he uh, sent in an image of a cat wearing a ridiculous sweater. It's like, I mean, seriously. Or not a sweater. It's like a, one of those flying, I don't know if that's what that is, but it looks like a neck pillow, but it goes all the way around. So this fat black and white cat, which we used to have one that looked relatively similar when I was a kid, named Tosh, weirdly enough, prior to anyone's knowledge of the comedian Daniel Tosh, just had a cat named Tosh, and he was big and fat, and utterly unmemorable. You know, you have cats and animals and pets in your life, you're like, man, indelibly marked in my uh, childhood or whatever, I, I'll always remember that cat. I just remember owning Tosh. Beyond that, he, he did nothing of note. So that's the thing with cats, I guess. Some of them just kind of hang out. I I feel um, if I were going to say, what's the deal with cats? The thing I notice is that these these sort of feralish neighborhood cats, they keep living. And then people that have indoor cats, they never let out. They get really fat. And they're kind of, sometimes they can be fun. But they just lounge around all day and they'll take a petting here or there, but they might get up and move. Um, I stayed with some friends years ago in Portland. They had two different indoor cats, but they were both definitely indoor all the time cats. My, my theory or my, my hypothesis on this was that cats get a little bit of cabin fever if they're not allowed to live and exist. And you sort of trap them in your home because you're so worried about them. And that, in a sense, is a microcosm of how we treat a lot of things. It's difficult, like that song, If You Love Someone, Set Them Free. Difficult to let your dog off the leash. Difficult to let your cat out of the house. Because you love them and you want to make sure it is in your life. And then we do that with so many things. And a cat is one of those where you're like, I can control this. I can shove my foot down when you're desperately trying to dart out. And there's something about that. It's less about what's the deal with cats and more about our relationships in owning them. That Can you truly trust that they will stay alive and come back to you? I think if you have the food, you have a pretty good option there. Um, but how much are you critical to them beyond just you being a supplier of food who knows? But I'm a big fan of people that have cats that are allowed to go out, roam around, and then they come in and are cool indoors. They don't tear up furniture or pee on things. Sometimes outdoor cats get in the house and they're like, what is this, man? Get me out of here. It's the system, dude. I'm in the grid. And they pee on stuff and they go nuts. And I like a cat that comes in and is like, I'll be inside now. But earlier today, I was on the streets. I found so many terrible things. I ate a lot of them. I sniffed a lot of them. I fought. I got in a fight with a bird, a squirrel, a couple other cats. And now I'm home. I'd like to lick my paws, eat a little bit of food, and I bid you good night. And that's a cool cat. I had a cat named Pooh when I was a kid. Just the best. And then I think I've talked about this cat, Stew, before that I saw carrying an entire jackrabbit that he had killed. He had no claws in his front feet, and he killed a jackrabbit. Stu had this neck like a boxer, and he was an outdoor-indoor guy. So maybe that's where my affinity comes from. Stu and Pooh, uh, my favorite guys. But I stayed with some friends that had indoor cats. Uh, the big one, I kept calling Morty. I think he had some ridiculous name, like when people name their cats. 
Mr. Something or whatnot. But uh, he looked like a Morty to me. So I was always, hey, Morty. And he would get up. I was living a comedy life then. So I was up till three o'clock in the morning. And then he'd be up at 7.30 or 8 just banging on the door that I was sleeping in in the guest room at my friend's house. And then I'd finally get up like, what is it? And he'd just like have the biggest smile. Oh, hello. And he'd come in and jump on the bed and snuggle around. It was a fun indoor cat. The other guy, I think was named Otis, he was not friendly, not personable at all. I went in uh, the room where he was in, laying on a bed, and I petted him a little bit, and I kind of woke him up from a nap, and he sort of looked at me like, this is fine. Yeah, I I don't mind being petted. And then I just kept petting him a little bit, and then he slowly just kind of slinked away like, if I could just move out of the reach of your hand, there we go, that's fine. I'm going to go right over here. And then he just proceeded to like walk and really kind of never breaking eye contact with me, like, just give me a second. I'm going to go get this thing and come right back. And then he just kept walking and kept walking and then just slowly hid under the bed, never to come out again. I really loved it because it was so awkward. Just this like, I wish I could stop myself from doing what I'm doing right now. Jeez, here I go. I'm sorry this happened. I don't want it to happen either. And there was something about that I liked, but I felt like maybe he'd be a different dude if he was allowed to do outside stuff. He just felt like maybe he was having a a nervous breakdown or a, a, a crisis. And then that depends on how much consciousness you're willing to say that any particular animal has. Do I've brought this up before, but if you had a math problem put up on a board and you had to solve it in order to save a loved one's life and you had a bird in the next room that had to you know, move a stick and pop it through a hole to knock a little rock off that would release a treat, the bird would probably just kind of get to work, just sort of look at it and be like, I think I can figure this out. Having never seen it, no knowledge whatsoever as to whether or not it can even do this, but you and I, not knowing the math problem, would just look at it and go, we'd beat ourselves up. we go, oh, I'm so dumb. Why don't I know this? Dang it. Oh, I'm so frustrated. The bird, I don't know if they spend that much time beating themselves up, which is very, it's a freeing feeling to think about. This feels very sweet. Like, ah, bless your heart, you little idiot. You're just going to try and try and then just kind of look around like, I don't know. I'm a bird. What in the hell did you think I was going to do? And... So I, I, who knows how much cats think about things? Who knows if they're sitting there like, oh, just give me the catnip. I'm going to trip out on drugs. And then people, look, look how much they love catnip. Like, yeah, you're giving them an escape. It's like heroin. You let them freak out because they never get to leave. They have this tiny little existence. Tra- I, I, we could go on and on there. It's like having your kids never leave uh, Dubuque, Iowa or something like that. Telling them it, it, the world got no bigger. They'd, they'd probably figure it out, and they'd hear, they'd look outside, they'd go, what's that? that person just left, they crossed out of town. No, no, no. They'd put their foot down. You don't get to leave. So that's the thing with cats, I suppose. I hope um, that wasn't too, it was too something, that's for sure. But those are some, some thoughts on cats. Uh, let's see, some other questions here. Uh, Gene Hospod, who came and visited and, and showed some work at the um, junk show, bless her heart. And so, and we've spoken on the, um, on the phone and, uh, okay. So she says, except that was my idea for a podcast or just me alone talking about cats every week. Oh, she's okay. So she's replying to uncle Butler. Um, (laughs) she said that she would uh, talk about cats every week, specifically and exquisitely detailed stories of all my departed ones while drinking beer. Sorry, David. Then progressing to hard liquor until I trail off to silence passed out. Which so that was she was saying that was her idea for a podcast, um, which I think is very funny, and I don't think in any way would step on or infringe this one. I think there are plenty of podcasts that involve beer, and as tonight goes, weirdly enough, episode one fifty, I'm having a bit of wine, so you can get a sense of what the space cave feels like tonight. It's a little bit more of an elegant, lonely, rambly, bizarre atmosphere, and um, I think you should start that one, Gene, and. I, w- I would love it if every episode ended with you passed out. That's a, it's a very sad one, but I think funny. Um, okay, let's see. Andy Krestovsky, Krestovsky, the musician, played a, lunch, a lot of his music. And in fact, a while ago, I did, I hadn't done this. I thought it'd be fun. We were at some friend's house for the 4th of July and they had a pool. They're like, why don't you handle the music? And I'm not, in my head, I'm like, I don't, I'm not like a music person. I don't have a, 
And I was like, wait a second. Yeah, I am. I just don't have like a dedicated, I don't have any of it on my phone. I'm not someone that's like, oh, let me get in there and play my music. Kind of up for whatever usually. But I did have all the Space Cave music. I thought it'd be pretty fun to go through it chronologically and or otherwise. So I played it on shuffle. And the number of songs that came up where I was like, oh, uh, there's a bit of a story behind this one. But Krastovsky came in there a few times. And I, I really like his work. I think he's a very talented dude. And, and delighted that uh, you listen to the show, buddy. Uh, he says, drunkest you ever got during a recording? There aren't a lot of um, runners up in that one or, or even ones to choose from. I, d- I don't typically get very drunk during the show. I, there's some, I think maybe people would enjoy it, but I feel like if I did it once and then maybe I did it a few times, then it might start to seem like, well, this isn't great. He's just getting drunk all the time. Uh, but when I was recording with Dave Relia, Relier, I always... God, Sorry, Dave. Um, I think it's Dave Relia. Uh, he, this is where the live stream would be helpful. And someone could go, it's Relia. Uh, so Dave Relia, is that it? I'm going to go back and forth and then hopefully just settle on one and send him an email and apologize. But he brought over that mead and it's syrupy and delicious and it was just so good. And that was one of the few times where I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm a little tipsy. There have been some others. Um, Sheila Madrak, hello, Doc Bad. They've brought over, I, I love when guests show up and they're like, we brought beer. Because there's typically just a little bit more on in supply. Um, but, you know, we only have like two beers per recording or something like that. So it's rare that I've been drunk. But that mead, I do remember feeling kind of tipsy and he was talking about robots taking over and AI and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, this is too much. So that was probably that one. Um, okay, let's see some other ones here. Um, let me see. There are a couple that are kind of personal. Maybe I, I'd skip to those. Okay, Gary at underscore Gary underscore. So that looks like uh, Gary in this wedged in between two underscores with an at in front of it if you want to follow Gary. Uh, th- first of all, love the brevity in your uh, the space that you occupy on the internet, and particularly in the, the space known as Twitter. There's just Gary, and I'm at Gary. Uh, he's, and thanks for listening to the show. He wrote, you ran a marathon, right? Would you do it again? Why or why not? I did in 2009. Part of the thinking with that was um, I was getting a little out of shape doing the road all the time, and I was with a comedian friend of mine, Chad Daniels, who's um, we've started the idea of maybe having him regularly call in to just chat. So I have an excuse to kind of catch up with different friends of mine and keep meaning to kind of implement that to the show. So maybe going forward into year four, I'll do a better job of that. But he and I were working the road and uh, had a drunken night where we were just being buffoon comedians, you know, eating bad food, drinking too much, really fun things that I would not change in my life that I really love doing, staying out real late. And we didn't always end up playing shuffleboard or something like that. And, which sounds really boring, but uh, shuffleboard is so fun, especially in Texas. And we were in just, I think, like San Angelo or something like that. And, uh, yeah, that came up. Like, ah, you know, it's hard to get in shape. You have really no incentive. No one really cares when you get on stage if you're in shape or not. But you, as a human, don't function great, obviously, when you're just eating terrible food and your sleeping habits are bad and you're driving all the time and in different time zones and so that became a thing of like, oh, this will give us like uh, some sort of an end goal. And then doing it was fantastic. I lived in Venice at the time. I would uh, run along the boardwalk. That's where the story, the infamous story of uh, beach poop came from. And that was an uncommon occurrence, obviously, that happened. Typically, I just had the beach. I mean, I would run in the morning. So sometimes I'd have like the boardwalk all to myself. You know, I'd be out there and just pass cyclists and other runners and give that little head nod and the sun kind of glimmering off the Pacific Ocean. It was fantastic. It felt like that scene in Forrest Gump where he's just jogging along by himself and you get those great moments of kind of a meditative state, which I never believed in before that. Um, But it really did happen. You'd run for miles and miles and be like, you know, if you only ever run five or six miles, that doesn't happen. But the first time I ran 10 or 12, there were definitely periods where I was like, what just happened? I just came, I'm awake again. And then I'd look down at my watch and be like, I just ran two miles. I have no recollection of it. And that was a cool sensation. It was also at a period where in comedy, I hadn't, uh, 
He had no idea where the finish line is or where even success, any of that stuff. You're just kind of going like, well, all right, I'm just doing it. This is a tough thing. You know, most careers that you get into, you know the track. If I do this for this many years, this will probably happen. If I do this for this many more, I can do this. And even if you're self-employed or running your own business, you typically have little markers and goals you'd like to get to. In comedy, you can't control them as much as you'd like. Obviously, when people are successful, they will tell those stories Oh, here's what I did. I wrote my goals down and I did this. And But the only reason we think that's how it works out is because they put a microphone in front of their face. And in reality, if you went and interviewed a bunch of people that it had different outcomes, uh, and specifically those that were maybe less successful, they go, yeah, I did all those things too. There's just some alchemy. There's some sort of weird cosmic thing that for whatever reason it, the the markers didn't line up at the time at the the right you know spacing that i was expecting them to and that becomes a little bit difficult so doing something like a marathon was good it's like okay i'm going to involve something in my life that'll get me healthier force me to exercise and it'll have some finality to it it'll have a feeling that like okay that is done and i really liked it uh, i kind of wish that i had done it in a more desolate location. I did it in San Diego and it's like being in just a parade of humans. You're just a human snake winding through the city. You're never out of touch with other runners. Some of them are walking. One guy was just chatting on a cell phone. Yeah, I'm near the finish line. I'll be there in a bit. And I thought, this is ridiculous. This is just something they can cross off a list to say, I started here and 26 miles later, I was at a different place that was called the finish line. But they ran and they walked a bit. And again, the cell phone, to me, it was like, can I force myself to keep running when I just want at every moment to stop? And that was fascinating to see like, I think we do that in a number of ways. I like when humans push themselves that way. Can you go without food? Can you do without this for a while? Can Whatever that might be. Can you be celibate? Can, on and on. All these things that it feels like we are just these little pre-programmed biological organisms and can you fight that a little bit? Can and and as society we do that as well. Like here, get a job, have some kids, buy a house, retire, and then they'll do the same thing. And every generation after will do that. And so I've always enjoyed artists and people that think outside of those constructs a little bit. And intrapersonally, uh, a marathon to some degree was that for me. Would I do it again? I always thought that I would stay in good enough shape to run a half marathon at a moment's notice, and I am real far away from that. So I, I do think I kind of need to do something like that again, just to get back in uh, the, the the mode of thinking that I'm in decent shape and potentially to have something to uh, to finish. So hope that answers your question. Gary, if you're thinking of doing it, I highly recommend it. It seems dumb and uh, people will give you grief or you'll think maybe it's too hard or I don't know where you're at. Maybe you've done a hundred marathons. You're like, no, I love them. I do them all the time. Who knows? But I, I think if you're on the fence about doing it, and people go, oh, it's kind of a cliche bucket list thing or whatever. Like, no, you don't, I wouldn't listen to any of that crap. I just, is there some part of you that wants to do something like that? Then go do it. And if you think it's too hard, it is not. You can do it. I'd reference again, the cell phone guy. All you got to do is be better than that person. And I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, let's see. Um, what is the, oh, so another Krastovsky was the appropriate punishment for littering. And why is it the death penalty? Uh, that is funny how that question is phrased when I was doing the sci-fi show, a lot of the jokes that, um, there were a couple writers that liked that style a lot. And I always, I always was worried that we were going to like overplay that, you know, like tell us the worst place you've ever been. And why is it Dallas? Things like that. And, um, so I like that you like that style of comedy. That show would have been right in your sweet spot. Um, yeah, the other day I saw a kid chuck a, a Red Bull can. And I was like, did you just throw that can? He goes, yeah. I was like, can you go get it and bring it to me? I'll throw it away. He goes, all right. And I don't know why every character so far is, oh, yeah, okay, that voice. But he was more just like, yeah, all right. And then he did it. And um, I don't know. I felt like kind of a jerk. It just like gutturally came out of me, just seeing someone litter like that. And I wanted him to know that I wasn't going to be like, hey, throw it away. But... Um, I, it was so bizarre. It was like, as my mouth was saying, my brain was going, whoa, whoa, this guy could have a knife. What are you doing, you lunatic? But he was totally mellow about, yeah, all right. He picked it up, handed it to me, and then I threw it away. And uh, yeah, I get really sick of seeing litter. I think everyone does. I don't know if it's be now, being in Switzerland. Whew, wouldn't it be great if culturally we had something to that extent that everyone did? 
because we're such a mix. Switzerland, they, I mean, they're 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 pretty white. They're they're just they're kind of boring in that sense. We are this great melting pot where everybody. But if we had a un, a thing that was culturally unique to the United States, I think shooting fireworks on the Fourth of July are kind of getting there. And I wish that wasn't the main one. That every different suburb, neighborhood, socioeconomic level, kind of all to some degree takes part in that, or at least watches them. And that feels like a very specifically American thing. But I would love it if picking up litter wove its way in there a little bit. The amount of times people just walk and throw cigarette butts on the ground, that always bugged me. Even when I was a kid, I was like, why do, why are we just, oh, it's cotton, it's biodegradable. Again, this character. Uh, But it just always seemed to me just so lazy and such a quintessentially human thing to do. Like, someone else will take care of it. I don't know where this goes. I don't care where it goes. I want to look cool. I'm done with this. It has served me. That's all I care about. Me, constantly me. Uh, that that feeds into litter as well. Ah, uh, this is in my car. I don't want it to be in my car. Roll down the window. Just chuck it out of there. Oh, it's all pavement. It's all concrete. It's not even nature anyway. A, a truck's going to come by and sweep it up. So yeah, the death penalty does seem a little harsh, Andy, but um, I don't know if there... If, I think uh, maybe a better penalty, going back to my theory is that it would be the equivalent of uh, of like farting in public. That if people saw it, everyone would just go, ugh. Imagine if someone littered and then everyone standing around the bus stop or on all the corners of the streets just went, ugh, ugh, what are you even American? We don't do that. And that would feel fun. Um, okay, a couple more here. These are, these, I think these are similar. Um, so Nando asked, and hello, I hope you're still drawing. I remember when we spoke on the phone, it's at Detective FDRRR. Frrr, frrr. Uh, I was getting into drawing, which I thought was fantastic. And then uh, is, a, is a terrific artist. And I would imagine if you've still been drawing every day and it's been a year or two now, I don't know, I'll bet you're way better. And that is a good feeling when you draw and exercise that muscle and it gets better and better. Jean's been doing the same thing with animation. And if you haven't seen... Her uh, latest thing she put up, I tweeted it. You can follow her, um, Jean Hasbod, G or sorry, J E A N N E H O S P O D. Really, really cool animation that she really spent a bunch of time working on, and is just terrific. So check that out. And uh, anyway, so Nando says, any personal thoughts on the pursuit of happiness or trying to make your dreams come true change over time? Like, did age or life experience ever affect how you felt on those topics? And then, which I think is kind of a similar question, weirdly, or I think at least to my answer, it ties in. And if you have tuned out or are considering tuning out, I completely understand this has been way more rambly than I was expecting. And um, anyway, uh, Gene's question, I think, ties into that is, you've mentioned a possible future outside of Los Angeles to some place where you can see the night sky and stars again. Would you continue... with comedy, podcasting, performance, and adapt it to a remote home base or pursue new projects. I think these things tie together. I think that, um, yeah, I think to go to Nando's point about like age and, uh, change, you know, the, the idea of pursuing dreams, which when you start doing it, there was this comedian in Austin named Jimmy Winkfield, who then went by Jimmy Roulette, who was so good. I mean, he toured all the time, but he was adamantly against, uh, promoting himself in any way and just was constantly like just gutting it out driving to these rough road gigs and just he was so funny so good he's one of those guys that I think like if I ever had some um, bubbling up of notoriety and had the opportunity to like hey I can bring someone with me on the road I would pull him out of retirement because he essentially just got sick of all the the gamesmanship and the and the nonsense that goes on behind the scenes that he was like, nah, I'm good, and he doesn't do comedy anymore. And it crushes me, but I get it. Um, but he used to write a thing, like when he would sign, you know, whether it was a wall at a comedy club or something, he would say something to the effect of, the dream has now become the job, which is a good feeling and a bad feeling, that you start doing this thing where I remember being so excited to like just get on stage and do open mics, and that people would be like, wanna come do my show? And suddenly you're like, this person thinks I'm a comedian, oh my God. But also still entertaining the, the, these goals of, which I think every person does that enters into any field, whether it's just, yeah, I'm going to do it for fun. But what if one day I'm doing whatever? And you kind of hold out, like, what if I'm headlining a club? That was, to me, like, such a big goal. It wasn't ever really, like, 
you know, SNL or being in movies or anything like that. I just wanted to be a comedian. I thought that'd be the coolest thing, just traveling and doing it. And then, you know, pretty soon it does start happening. And next thing you know, you're getting paid and you're traveling. And then, you you know, the time goes by and things change and you want kind of a new drug or like, okay, I've done this a while. And it it's tough to say. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to really articulate what it is that does change, you know, like, if it if the model still stayed the same and it was always yeah you just come through here and then the better you do the bigger the audiences get the more you play the more places you go but it, it the bottom kind of fell out in 2008 to a certain degree and then that was also a convergence of the internet sort of taking over and so comedians from like when i started like in 2002 have gone through seeing the advent of so many different platforms beyond just like myspace and twitter and uh youtube and on and on um it it starts to become when people start telling you what you got oh so the thing you got to do now is this and you're like well, i don't want it i just want to do jokes well you, those days are gone you got to be uploading this and doing this and doing that and uh it does start to feel a little less exciting you see people uh, advancing and it feels not particularly inspired or artistic and it just feels like this i don't know how much this i still connect to this if that makes any sense and so yeah i do think about um uh you know just focusing on little things like living somewhere where it's just quiet and slow paced and you can yeah hear a creek or see the night stars or i still i like doing the podcast that's become uh something to kind of fill that creative void to a certain degree or just to have interesting conversations, things like that. Um, I, I could ramble on and on and on about this, but I, I, it's just been strange where I felt like I created pretty interesting um, and stuff that work that I'm proud of. I, I like my albums and the things that I've made and that, uh, you know, I never, I would always send in for like late night spots and it would always be to this or to that or something that I just, it was always you changing what you do. And I, I just don't think that would happen with, oh, we like that song. Can you change this? I mean, I get it if you want the doors to not say couldn't get much higher or whatever. You might change a word. I get that. You can't curse on TV. But sometimes, can you change the order of this and put this there? Or what about this? And like, no, no, no. I wrote this song. I want it to go this way. Uh, so some of the festivals, some of like the, the the kind of touchstones you need to hit along the way, when they don't line up, then you either become... Uh, a cultish figure or you just slowly recede into the distance and it, a lot of it depends on your ambitions and like how fired up you are to still do it and for me like going to comedy clubs and watching typically relationship kind of humor things like that that have, was never exciting to me consistently be uh, the 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 main conduit and, and you can do those jokes really well and really smart but it's still the same to me. It's I just thought comedy is so much more interesting if it's a bit challenging, or the audience has to lean in a bit, or really kind of, you know, I, Andy Kaufman was so inspiring in that way, and a lot of comedians have been. And I, the stuff I see these days doesn't inspire me as much, and that makes me sound or feel a million years old. And so, yeah, I think your perspective on it's so weird to call it a dream too, especially because all these dudes in comedy are like heavier with beards. And it just seems weird. Like, I'm living my dream, dude. Yeah, follow my dream. But people like to kind of pretend that it's, ah, I don't have anything else to do. Or, ah, my friends talked me into doing this. Sure, the first time. But you've been coming back night after night to just empty bars to perform in the corner. Because deep down inside you, behind your little beard, is a little kid that had a dream. And you still pursue that. And when you get into it and you're doing it, it ceases to really be a dream. And it becomes a reality of like, Okay, I'm I'm doing this, but then all these other factors come into play. Like, am I only doing this because 15-year-old me thought it'd be great or 18-year-old me or whatever version? Or uh, am, I, am I still doing it because I love it and I think it's great and I think it's fun? The world around us and or me specifically regarding this question has gotten just so grim that I don't feel all that jovial all the time. And uh, so it feels weird to go and just be silly on stage and then think of like uh, all these atrocities, which is what comedy is supposed to do, like take people's mind off of it. But then it feels like a clown. And I don't know. I go on and on with all that stuff. So, yeah, living out somewhere where I could just make things out of wood or screen printing or, or these things that I just keep my hands busy with and then chat to strangers in a little shed 
yeah, that, that does appeal to me. So I don't know what the future holds. I have one more thing I'll put out, hopefully by the end of this year, and then uh, see where that goes, if anything comes of that, and then potentially um, steer in a different direction or something like that. I don't know. So anyway, uh, thanks for asking those questions, and this has been Insight Interpersonal Conversations, uh, which I try not to really fuse into the show too much, but I guess once every three years isn't uh, going to... And if it does drive everyone away, that's a fair trade-off in that I, I point will be taken. You, the, the whole thing of everyone needing so much attention, I don't feel that way. And yet here I am just talking for like an hour, just my voice. Why? Is, there, is this necessary to anybody? Uh, I hope so. I hope um, in some vainglorious way that it's not that, that it's not about, um, that's what old Dave has to say. I think we've just, we kind of know each other through my communications with these guests. And perhaps you wanted to know just a slight bit more about, um, about what I'm doing. So anyway, those are some of my thoughts. I should probably edit this. I will not. And um, anyway, let's, let's lighten it up a little bit and bring in a guest. And here is uh, some chatting with the most beautiful person on the planet, Emily Rose. Oh, Emily Rose is joining us. Well, hello. Oh, hi. How's it going? Good. You said you had many things to talk about. So I th- have absolutely nothing to disclose. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to talk about. So I'm interested to see what your um, pro interviewing skills can uh, can pull out of me. So I got nothing. We have so much time, just the two of us, and you're just blathering on about something you're researching or some uh, new cuisine you've learned to make, which has been, I mean, come on, that development has been great for all parties. Yeah, yeah, we really have been enjoying that, I suppose, but uh, yeah, I I mean, is that what you want me to discuss? (laughs) (laughs) Again, you were the one that just (laughs) said, let me in there, I got a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I was banging down the door when you came out here, when's my shot, when's my opportunity? Yeah, this is a big deal. This yeah. is like the old Ed Sullivan show or something like that. This could make or break me. It really could. People race out there and get your many books that you've written. Yeah. Are uh, you going to invite me to sit on the couch and say hello after? I, I'll think about it. Mm. See how your set goes. Mm. Um, what You have no books you're working on and then all the material just goes right out of your head? Basically, yeah. Um, let's see. Well, I did work. I was working on a book about natural disasters um, earlier. One of the most fascinating things is the the largest earthquake to ever in recorded history took place uh, in South America, and I think it was 1960. It was a 9.5, and it was so powerful that um, it affected the Earth's rotation. And um, that day was a few milliseconds shorter than all the other days are. I always find that weird. Like, how did they know that? Is there someone with a stopwatch just watching the day go by? Like, and now. It's his job. He sits over at the, uh, the wherever they do the Greenwich time. <laughs> it's his job. Right at, like. Old man time. Probably on the equator and then right at, um, what would be the la- longitudinal line that would. Um, you mean the prime meridian? Is that where you'd want to sit? Doesn't it? I, I mean, then you wouldn't be at the equator. The center. You'd be in the ocean though, right? Where would you be? Well, you could be in a boat. Yeah, all right. But if then, you had, if you had a, an anchor long enough, I guess you could be too there. much. I don't too know much. how deep it would be there, though. Yeah, I have no idea where that part of the world is. You know, it's right along that little like that mountain chain. You know, that looks like the seam of a baseball that goes around the Earth. Maybe it's along there, and then it really wouldn't be that deep. Yeah, I guess. And then that's where he works with his stopwatch. Yeah, he just sits there, bobbing along in the ocean, keeping track of time. <laughs> And then he runs out and tells everybody, guys, you won't believe this. Did anything happen today? The the day was about three milliseconds shorter than normal. Yeah, he's been out there since Magellan. Mm. (laughs) Oxy. They just dropped him off and he's the same guy living for hundreds of years? That's incredible. It makes no sense. It's the salty air. Don't come in here with that. Immortality. That's just ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I read it in a book. 
Why I'm researching another book. Why wouldn't the story be about this immortal guy? He just lives in and people go, oh, yeah, that's that. That's Jeff. He's immortal. We take him for granted. Yeah. He just sits out there and records the days, mm-hmm. which I guess if you were incapable of dying, you'd get sick of like building orphanages and helping people only to watch them right. continuously repeat the same mistakes. You're like, right. I'm getting my boat. Yeah. Time I can count on. Yeah. I'm going to just count the days. Yeah. It's a construct we've created mm-hmm. to a degree. Yeah, and he's gotten really into it. Oh, man, that not that what everyone's doing? Just kind of counting the days or the opposite, staying real busy and just ignoring the days. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. That, that really came together nicely. Oh, Jeff, bobbing along in the ocean. Glad we found you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. What, what other books have you been doing? Or you made some hummus today. Oh, well, I did. I made hummus. Why, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> Let's really do some hard-hitting stuff here. Yeah. Hummus was made today. Mm -hmm. I did make it on a whim. Yeah. You know, the the general premise of a podcast, or this one in particular, was to try to not waste people's time with just... (laughs) These words don't. I'm need talking to be about said. my hummus. Never yeah. a waste of time. That's true. I'm, and I do find it fascinating that you know how to make it, and that you could share with people the steps that you do. But as we are talking, I just feel like this is what all podcasts are. People just, talking about their lives. Yeah, just inconsequential in, things that, for whatever reason, people listening go, eh, "That's okay." Yeah, yeah, and then they find it entertaining. Yeah. I, I don't know. I hope you guys are enjoying hearing about my hummus. It was quite delicious. I ate it with some vegetables. Well, we ate it. I had some well, of it as well. Well, we both did, yes. We ate it good. with some celery, and then we ate it with some cucumbers after that. It was really nice. I added in sun-dried tomatoes and basil. Yeah, walk us through that process, if you would. <laughs> we did get a food processor. We had a food processor, and then we got rid of it, and then we, we got had, a- was Someone get... They don't, people don't care. Well, it is a fascinating tale that we have owned two different food processors. The it's first... the same food processor. Really? Yeah. We were we were given the food processor processor uh-huh. by friends who were moving. Yeah. And then I never used it, so I gave it to your sister. Ah, for, and then she gave it back? For, yeah, because I was a, being a kind person. There was no occasion. Mm-hmm. And then um, she gave it back to me for my birthday once I got into you know hummus mode. Yeah. Okay, Just ready so, to process all because we foods. tried it with a blender too chunky. It got it was it wasn't refined enough. You need hummus to be really yeah. um, what's the word like whipped? Is that the right word? Creamy. Yeah, but but firm, creamy but firm. You get some garbanzo beans. Well, you're looking away like I'm. <laughs> I mean, this is where you come in. You go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do use garbanzo beans to make my hummus. It's a novel concept. Yeah, I'm setting you up real nice. Just a sweet hummus setup. I think even I'm getting bored by this conversation. (laughs) Even I don't care this much about my hummus. It happened. Let's move on. You don't care how this hummus gets made? (laughs) To me, when people can... Remember when I learned... And this is in the tenure of us knowing each other, which has been a while now. Yeah. But I've been um, a gentleman on the other side of 30 years of age, the entire duration of us knowing one another. And in that time, I... um, learned how to make bean and cheese burritos <laughs> and everyone thought, that, <laughs> everyone thought that was so stupid like you know you can make sandwiches as well but i was like i just it's <laughs> yeah that old peanut butter and jelly whoo i just finally cracked the recipe on that one that's how stupid week. it is to everyone else but to me i was like wow if i really want a bean and cheese i gotta go buy that thing i can't figure out what goes into them yeah it was <laughs> That's really embarrassing. Wow, how long ago was that? This is this is actually new. I didn't realize that you were such a novice to making bean and cheese. But I can make other stuff, and I I mean you've tasted some. I make some food. <clears throat> yeah, like my marinara sauce I make. Um, exactly. Lasagna? Come on, I can make some. You're stuff. right. You're right. You made me a really good sandwich yesterday too. The perfect amount of Swiss to to turkey ratio. Yeah, and I'm. I'm well versed in sandwich making. I'm like I was a, a road comedian, a bachelor guy. Yeah, zooming yeah. around out there. Yeah, I, I I live like a like an absolute like a crime noir character, with like you know a jar of this here and there and a slice of bread here and there and 
on my I feel like those characters that's how they they eat the you crime go, noir characters they just stow away loaves of bread places just in case they like come home to a really terrible apartment with like a hot plate and then they've got a loaf oh, of bread oh that kind of, oh okay yeah when you're talking yeah. about like storing jars away i started feeling like as they were on the case no no <laughs> i mean they live they live these lives where they, they're always just they don't have time for that you know so in the office right, they would yeah what are you eating oh i found a piece of bologna rolled up in a tortilla yeah that like kind of during thing. the day they have cigarettes and when they get home they have bologna burrito yeah stale bologna burritos yeah it's a it's a standard in all the classics. That's, that's what you'll see in Double Indemnity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always in there. Yeah. And then they, <laughs> it's at this point our heroes roll up some bologna <laughs> and treat themselves yeah. to a really nice burrito. Yeah. Um, so this hummus, really teasing them with this one. You get your garbanzo beans and then what? Well, you got to drain them. Yeah. Because I get them from the can. Okay. I suppose the real diehards... They maybe do it a different way. And they grow I, their own garbanzos. Yeah, yeah. Pick them. It's something we should maybe look into. Definitely. But um, getting that pro hummus game. Yeah, yeah, really. Boy, would that, that'd be an obnoxious couple to run into. <laughs> oh, you make hummus? Do you grow your own garbanzo? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we have our own strain named after us. Um, you just mix the garbanzo beans with other ingredients in the food processor, and then you hit mix give me some idea of these other ingredients uh, you, you, you got your garlic you got your olive oil you got your cumin mm-hmm. salt you got your tahini. you don't have to keep saying you got your <laughs> <laughs> well these are i mean if you're if you're like amassing all the ingredients you need i understand i'm doing the checklist here sure but you got and then you could just list off the ingredients if you were so i, I mean i don't want to you know what? I do my recipes my way. You can do them your way. Okay, but this so is. And the last one, you got your tahini, is what you said? Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. And that's like this gross peanut butter thing. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't remember what it is sesame or something. Mm-hmm. Well, this has it's been fine. lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, any, any, you know, final thoughts, parting thoughts? Jupiter now has 79 moons, or I guess it always did, or for a period, it always has. For for the extent of our lives, it has had 79 moons. We have discovered but now we're just 79 aware of, of them, yes. or we, we know of 79. Can we conclusively say it is only 79? We have concluded that there are at least 79. How about yeah, that? That works. Um, is that exciting else? news for you? You know, I feel vindicated. I always knew there were more out there. You had there. a hunch? Yeah. People would be like, I think there are 15 moons there, and you'd bristle. Nah, I don't think so, guys. I think you got up it way, way up. <laughs> That's a, you're talking minimum 75 moons. I remember you saying that a lot. <laughs> then you'd stand up, break a beer bottle, hold it to someone's <laughs> neck. And be like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. That ended a lot of our evenings out at taverns. Yeah, I know. I start getting into my Jupiter moon theory, and it just kills everything. Yeah, but now those people... Probably feel pretty silly that they fought you on it. Scars on their neck. Yeah, so there's I mean, a reason. They're now. touching them longingly right now, going, "This was worth it." <laughs> she was right all along. Yeah, exactly. Then um, they'd form a gang. All these people with these bottle neck scars that you gave them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what they'd be called. Probably something to do with Jupiter and/or moons. I was gonna say the Seventy ers but it feels like it's been done. I was maybe something. I mean, honestly, because they were wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just spitballing here, but they could be called like the Stupiders or something like that. <laughs> well, that's good. The you Jupiter know. Stupiders. Yeah, boys go to Mars to get more candy bars. Did you ever hear that one? Yeah, boys go to Jupiter to get more stupider. That was a big yeah. one in elementary school. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, but we're over on Mars getting them candy bars. Hell yeah! Really living it up. Yeah. Um, well, that's wonderful news. I We've talked about this. It's exciting that humans can find out those sorts of things. And I yes. like that we're sending... Um, I watched this little... We, did we watch this together? The documentary with the team where they were like all sad watching Cassini go in? Yeah, yeah. That was kind of a bummer that they're... You know, that's their baby. And they watched it just... Dive bomb into a gaseous planet. Yeah, it atomized. It, which is a... Man, why don't more people get the opportunity to do that? If you... To- to atomize? Yeah. Can't we? I mean, if they're funeral homes and they're oh, filling yeah, up with like, like formaldehyde. Thing? 
yeah, launch me out there. But I don't want my mm. ashes boosted out into space. Yeah, yeah. Even if I just atomized here on Earth. You I think want that be- to just be the way you go. Like, it's it's one fell swoop. I mean, the body being chucked into the, just out on the surface of the dirt. They say humans are are just terrible for the for the environment because we... Uh, for whatever reason, maybe our blood has pathogens or things like that. It'd be harmful to think the the natural ecosystems. Maybe I don't know if all the chemicals we eat. I think so. All of our preservatives and pesticides. I like to think they make me immortal, but I don't think that's gonna. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna pay. That out. remains to be seen. I mean, if that happens, I'll head out onto the ocean with Jeff. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if he'd bristle a little bit. You know? Yeah, it's been his turf for so long. Yeah. I mean, imagine how set in his ways he yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, you think because you've eaten spam, you belong out here? Right. Yeah. Neat, neat. Another one of you, the newly immortals. Right. Move, move, move. I got it. And you go, I got it. I can reach over here. No, no, no. You'll do it wrong. And he's mm-hmm. just so, and you're like, it's a dial. And you turn it. And he goes, Bleh. And then the story progresses. And lo and behold, Jeff takes a shine to you because he does deep down miss people in human connection. He's lonely. Yeah. And then. He ends up kind of getting carried away, being friends, playing cards with you. And he forgets to time the world and something happens. And they go, Jeff, yeah. we got to know. And turns out he has to throw you overboard because he's so mad. And now what do you do? Wait, what? Yeah, he gets mad and he threw you out of the boat. Cause you, Sacrifice to the gods or something? He didn't kill you. He just threw you out. Now you're paddling along. I mean, I'm in the middle of the ocean. Right. And I just got tof- tossed off of like my one hope of survival. But you're immortal. Oh, Yeah. But are you still Can drownable? I'm, yeah, I don't know. I think you're. I think you're in the immortal in the sense like that. If you don't get hit by a bus, right? So if you just yeah look both ways and don't drown, yeah, you'll keep on living, right? Yeah. So the um, it's like B grade immortality. Mm-hmm. Jeff's got true immortality, right? Because he's he's one of the one of the OGs of immortality. Yeah. Hmm. Or or yeah, one, one of the last G's. Not one of the originals. All those original immortal guys. He's the he's the he's the only uh, immortal. <laughs> I almost said he's the only OG. Yeah, only original. Anyway, I think uh, atomizing will be fun. Yeah. Anyway, guys, let Dave know your thoughts on Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> is he the OG immortal? Is he the only immortal, or is he the final immortal? Yeah, and yeah. Now I am. I do think giving something back. Like donating your organs, great, and then chuck your body out into like a forest, and then all the scavenger birds and right. and just mammals come over and they take what they want. Then the bugs get you, and then boom, you're you're reabsorbed right. into the planet. That feels kind of fun. Atomize right. now, your atoms are bad. They go anywhere. I mean, they're really separated. And then what if we so many atoms for so long, but all kind of roughly hovering around Earth. They reform here, here and there, especially if they're from the same area, mm-hmm. and then it forms a new you, and you're all these bits of carbon and whatever else. But the atoms, say they're even like 12% similar to the last time, mm-hmm. which would be phenomenal. Like the, right. there's the chances of that, but that 12% might be where like deja vu comes from and stuff. Like those 12 Yeah, because I was thinking if you were to atomize, then what would happen to your consciousness? Would it disappear like it normally does? Or or I guess we don't know what happens when we actually die. Or would something actually, different think, happen to it? <laughs> you haven't been listening to this show. <laughs> we solved this months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I got to catch up. You just reabsorb back <laughs> into the big overall consciousness, the universe that's unable to see itself. The collective subconscious? No, the big gross universe that's just this blobby, dark mattery thing. Mm-hmm. And it goes... Oh, you're back. And then you go, oh, I am back. A part of you that is me. Where, oh, shoot. Even though it was terrible being a living thing, now I could at least see stuff and interpret it and talk about it. Now I can only just feel it and sense it. Are you talking about um, nothingness? Big nothingness? I think we've run out of time. All right. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) It sounds very similar. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> listen, I only have about three thoughts that I continuously <laughs> stalk around. Um, all right, so no final thoughts on hummus? I think we covered it. You really, yeah. It's good with vegetables, good with crackers, put it on your sandwich. People know how to use pasta. hummus, but I think if someone 
tells me, hey, I make hummus. I like to think I just blew somebody's mind by giving them an alternative application for hummus. And hopefully someone is listening that went, oh, yeah, I guess I could make my own bean and cheese burritos. (laughs) (laughs) Add some hummus. Yeah, there's not a lot that goes into it. It's embarrassing when you really do yeah. figure out how to do it. But yeah. then you you, know, you can tweak the recipe and stuff. Yeah, but every so often, I mean, you you mix it up and add a little bit of rice. No, never. Uh, <laughs> if rice is around, I'll throw it in. But that, that that's no longer a bean and You're cheese a purist. Burrito. Yeah. Bah. But I'll put some jalapeno in there, something like that. Yeah, some tomatoes. I've seen you do that. Yeah. Sometimes I've seen you mix up the, the types of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> get a little nuts <laughs> maybe some cheddar maybe some jack who knows all right get out of here well thanks for stopping by I'll thanks see for you, having me see you back at our home on earth yeah sounds good I'll, I'll meet you back inside great okay love you mm, love you too <laughs> <laughs> well that infused a little life into the show now didn't it well this episode has gotten way too long and i was originally going to take some calls but i got a little late jump on it and uh the tweet that i sent out didn't elicit any responses in the time that i recorded this so we'll have to wait and do that at another time i do like chatting with you guys uh so if you are listening to the show and would like to hear your voice on it or would like to chat with me one-on-one follow the show on twitter space underscore cave and uh, we can we will do that and thanks again for supporting the show on Patreon. If you rate it or review it or subscribe it, we, going by the length of the show now, three years, thereabouts, we average about, at this point, 20-ish uh, reviews on iTunes per year. That's pretty slim. It's a small show. It makes it feel intimate and cozy. And I like things these days that are a little bit exclusive. Hey, I only know about this. And I always thought it'd be cool if you went somewhere in the remote, you know, you're in the taiga, you're out in the middle of nowhere, and then once that thing over on the ground, and you lift it up, and there's a whole underground network of whatever you think down there. It's an arcade, it's a beautiful hotel, it's just a spa, it's empty rooms, it's just one bedroom with a gorgeous bed. Whatever you want it to be, the idea that just you would know where that is and be able to go hang out there. I hope that's also maybe what the space cave is. But if you want to tell a friend, that's fine with me. I'm not very great, obviously, at promoting things and getting the word out and all that stuff. Uh, So this show will probably continue to just be this quiet little thing that exists. But I like doing it, and I like that you like listening to it. And if you uh, tuned out long ago, you didn't even have to hear any of this. But the future episodes will have more uh, stimulating conversations. And if you know people that you'd like to hear on the show, please send them my way. I'm always up for hearing uh, new, interesting worlds, ideas, fields of study, points of view, etc. And as always, thanks to Rob for the theme song. Rob Crow of so many different bands. And most recently, Optagonally Yours. If you haven't heard their new album, I can't recommend it enough. It's just gorgeous. And and to Dan, who cobbles the show together out of the goodness of his heart down there in Australia. Uh, but I didn't have him do this show because um, he, he recently, he did the last episode and he goes, oh, hey, man, sorry, it was a bit late. He had a, a leaky pipe in his roof and his cat got out of the house and uh, they live on a busy intersection and didn't make it. And so maybe the cat conversation I was having earlier um it had nothing to do with that so uh but maybe that uh maybe the cat he was like oh he was all instinct he didn't think too much wasn't real bright that's a bummer i um i apologize if that my my little ranting idiotic thoughts on cats were um offensive because now i'm just realizing like a little dude i'm feel terrible for dan losing his cat and as someone who has Lost a number of pets, and particularly cats. We lived in Nevada, uh, kind of in a rural area where a lot of coyotes were around, and it's it's such an unpleasant experience. So, uh, Dan, I hope you're doing okay, buddy. And if you guys want to reach out to him on Twitter, it's Dan from Orange on Twitter. I'm sure he would appreciate it. Just a little tip of the cap. I know Jean lost her cat Lola earlier this year, who was like 18 years old or something like that. it's a bummer it never gets easier uh and if you're an animal person it's it's 
it's rough. It it seems silly because you're like, oh, come on, I was just a pet. But there's no way to uh, rationalize it. It just is tough. Dan, Dan seemed like he's doing okay with it, so I hope that is the case. And his other cat, Super Hans, still kicking along uh, from, uh, I hope you guys, some of you listen to Peep Show. Uh, anyway, thank you so much to Dan in particular for helping this show go because it really makes a huge, huge difference. It makes it a lot easier on me. And... Okay, let's get out of here. This is a song that, um, given that it's an episode that's that's uh, just me, I thought this song seemed like one I would play in that I just love it. And it it got a lot of play when it first came out, like in 2011 or so. It was played on the radio a lot and then just sort of went away. And I don't know why. Um, you know, I, I think I've brought this up before. Certain songs get radio play forever, it seems like. Like that Eve Six song, uh, want to put my tender heart in a blend that character again uh that's a fine song uh, and when it came out people were like, yeah okay this song's but 20 years of radio play it, it's crazy to me i don't understand who makes these decisions and then a song like this comes out and this isn't like some hidden gem it has two million plays or, or more on youtube it's a gem though it's i love this song and i thought i'd give it some more uh some more exposure out in the world because it's so good. And I hope you guys like it as well. And thanks for sticking through this. If you made it all the way to the end, bless your hearts. Just so much rambling from me. And I won't make a habit out of this, but maybe once every three years. And here's to three more years of doing the Space Cave. Thanks to you guys for listening. It um, This show started right after Professor Blastoff ended. And to a certain degree, it feels like when a bassist from a popular band goes off and starts a little solo gig or something. People are like, I'm st- I like that guy. I don't- that character again. I always like the bassist. Uh, to a certain degree, that's what it feels like. But it also, I think, in that sa- to use that same analogy, the bassist just like playing music. And I like having these conversations. I like doing this. So I'm glad you've, you've come along as well. Anyway, let's get to this song. This is from The Joy Formidable. Uh, this is a song called Whirring. I hope you like it. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave.